Welcome to Business Lines State of the Economy podcast where you will find insight analysis and the story behind the numbers. Hello and welcome to a brand new edition of the State of Economy podcast. Today we are here to talk about matters of finance. It's not a very hard subject that we are about to discuss. You might say it's something which touches a lot of our nerves, uh, especially if you're a woman listening to this podcast, it certainly would. We're so used to hearing from a lot of people that men manage our finances, we're dependent on men for financial discipline and so on. But hold your horses. This interesting report by DBS India Bank in partnership with Crystal points otherwise. We have with us in today's show Mr. Prashant Joshi, who's the managing director and head of Consumer Banking Group DBS Bank India, and Pushan Sharma, director of research at Crystal Market Intelligence and Analytics, deciphering how women really spend their money, how we're independent in deciding how we want to use our money, and for what we really use and consume money. Listening to this conversation. Hi, good morning to both of you. It's wonderful to have you here on this podcast. Let me get straight into the report. From both of you, if I would like to understand what really motivated DBS and Crystal to work alongside on a report like this and why specifically target women across all age population to, to find out how they consume and how they work around with money. Yeah, Hansiri, thank you. And uh, from DBS perspective, right, we continue to uh, look at all segments in our customer base to understand their needs and uh, their preferences. So it was only logical that we looked at uh, women as an important uh, segment of the customer base. And also interestingly, over the last uh, 20, 25 years or so, the workforce participation of uh, women in India you know, now is over one third, right? It's around 37%. And that too in metros, you know, the, the complexion of the workforce has changed significantly. So one, I think understanding segment needs and their behavior, and then the fact that you know women as a segment which has really emerged uh, over the last twenty years, right? I think a combination of these two actually made us look at this particular segment and see uh, uh, what kind of uh, behaviors, particularly in metro cities, uh, are evident uh, from women. Just to add, you know, to what Prashant said. Uh, as we see increasing women participation in the workforce, uh, it becomes very important to understand how women are dealing with their saving and investment strategy. And that's where you can sure. really understand, uh, you know, how you can tailor products better for women. And that's really what was the genesis of the study to really understand how women are dealing with money and also to bust certain myths because it was traditionally considered that women take a lot of advice when it pertains to their investment. In fact, one of the very uh, interesting takeaways from the report uh, is that women make their own money decisions. Very often it, it is uh, commented or it is told while in, in some of our cases personally it's far from truth that women's decisions about finances are influenced by men. Men end up taking the upper hand in uh, uh, prioritizing how money is spent. Your report broke that myth, if I could say. What are the few interesting things that you gathered along the way for you to make a inference like this in the report? Right. So, you know, what the report clearly points out is that uh, 
you know two things one is women are taking a lot of their financial decisions independently and right. second is that you know what the report also shows is that 98% women are involved in long term family decisions so mm. they are a critical stakeholder in decisions pertaining to education buying of assets and this is pronounced across india so it's not just specific to certain geographies but it's across the 10 metro cities that we have studied Right. Uh, so that that provides a really interesting uh, you know uh, i would say uh, an insight as well as it uh, busts certain myths uh, that women are dependent either on their spouse or other family members to actually take these uh, decisions fair enough i'll take the same question to prashant but in a slightly different way with this sort of a background prashant that women take their own decision on money usage as a bank how would you start prioritizing and customizing products of more women centric is that a is that a decision enabler for you when it comes to tailoring products for women yeah, i think it's important to understand this and and before i directly answer your question i'll just say one more point right and being okay. a man myself you know if someone asked me do you take your own independent decisions i will say of course uh, uh, yes right even though actually i may be involving uh, uh, you know my wife or my family in the decision making i think women probably are more authentic and actually saying uh, you know what what they are saying uh, right. and and in that sense i think the point that uh, pushan made around family involvement in long term uh, decision making i think is true for beth both men and uh, uh, women okay and uh, probably women are more open in acknowledging uh, either their dependence or participation both uh, on the family uh, probably man uh, is is less likely to admit to it and and suggest that the man uh, himself uh, makes the decision uh, right. but, but leaving leaving that aside uh, i would i would actually think that uh, it, it does help understand how women are looking at their finances and their own relationship with money and it does two things you know one is that uh, you know when either a relationship manager is dealing with a woman right i think it clearly helps in tailoring the conversation because you know that one out of two women are more likely to make the decision you know in which case uh, you know you are absolutely going to deal with every customer in the same way irrespective sure. of whether the customer is a man or woman right so i think that that's the first uh, thing the second important thing is that uh, we don't want to design products specifically for women on the basis of stereotypes okay yeah so we don't want to accept certain stereotypes and then just say okay uh, in this uh, survey for example 51% women uh, uh, invested in fixed deposits right mm. so then let's come out with a woman centric uh, fixed deposit uh, right i mean it, it it's okay uh, i think depending on the age uh, depending on the income level uh, depending upon the education uh, life stage whether a man or woman makes a decision and picks the right product or the right features of the product uh, so in that sense you know we don't want to be coming across as uh, you know furthering the stereotypes uh, right more than what we need to fair enough fair enough <laughs> uh the report also makes a very interesting point about uh, uh, adoption of credit cards uh, uh, um, it says that you know 19% of the women don't opt for credit cards for lack of trust and there are various concerns like difficulty in managing credit credit card payment identity threat etc which are cited as reasons for avoiding credit card but alongside that there is also a very interesting chart which says that 
the credit card adoption is possibly the highest in Hyderabad with 98% of your respondents comfortable with the product and lowest in cities like Chennai and Calcutta where the adoption rate is a little below 75% or so, 76 and 63% respectively. So when you were doing this, what were the usage that, I mean, uh, did you also find a, a variety in, or a change in the usage patterns when you came to women across different cities? The consumption of credit card was different. Their reliance on credit cards was different. So I think while we certainly do not know what do women do with the credit cards and where they spend the money, I, I don't of think course. the report talks about that. Yeah. Um, uh, but I think the geographies that you mentioned, uh, you know, whether it is Hyderabad or Mumbai or Pune, my hypothesis, uh, at least, is that you know these are some of the cities you know where the workforce participation through the information technology sector okay. is probably higher, right. and you know th therefore uh, you know uh, per se from banks also uh, the offering of credit cards is much more, uh, much easier, uh, and probably that has played a role in uh, higher adoption of credit cards uh, by the women. So that's first point. Second point, which comes, ac comes across in the report, is the fact that women probably prefer credit cards over unsecured personal loans. That's true. That's true. Right. And maybe it's got to do with the fact that that in, in this, women which were interviewed were possibly conservative and risk averse. Then they were okay with short-term credit, you know, rather than taking credit for a longer period of time. Uh, typically, personal loans come for two years, three years. Right. Uh, but this is a hypothesis, of course, that maybe they prefer a shorter term credit over uh, you know longer term unsecured uh, credit more more transactional credit uh, rather right. than anything else right right uh, staying put on the topic of credit there's also quite a lot of diversity in the way women opt for loans versus what we normally see at the entry level it's largely personal loan vehicle loan and then home loan after card adoption is high with women, you're saying that 39% of um, uh, the most popular category is a home loan. When a woman comes to the uh, approaches a bank for uh, loans, followed by a vehicle loan and last by personal loan. Uh, 39, 33 and 26 is the percentage of uh, in terms of uh, preferences for each of the product. Does it also mean that there is a there is a there is a different outlook that women uh, from your survey had on uh, consumption of money versus what normally men would. In other words, are they really taking you know a ghar roti makan in the in the very little sense compared to what you would normally see in the markets? Yeah, I just answer one part and maybe I'll, I'll request Pushan to uh, comment yeah. thereafter. You know, but the fact is that what you're saying is true. Uh, clearly what comes across in the report, a larger proportion is looking for uh, home creation and therefore uh, home loans and okay. then um, uh, vehicle loans and so on and so forth. But equally, if you look at the age profile of the women and what they are looking at, uh, I think it pretty much tells you the story, uh, which is that younger women are more looking at personal loans and vehicle loans. And then uh, slightly older women, maybe around 35, start looking at home loans. Right. Uh, which is again got to do with your income level and your own uh, uh, work experience probably, and uh, and then uh, women start you know looking at the women's needs change and then they start looking at retirement solutions for example post forty five, that I think is consistent with any uh, any person right whether man or a woman, okay. where you when you, when you start uh, participating in the workforce you start with uh, unsecured personal loan vehicle loans then move to uh, home loans and so on and so forth. 
and maybe Pushan can throw some further light on this. So just just to add to what Prashant mentioned, uh, if you look at you know the short term and long term motivation of women that were surveyed across the age groups, uh, in terms of the short term motivations, what we see is that women aged between twenty five to thirty five have uh, you know travel and vacation as one of the critical short term motivations. Right. Between thirty six to forty five, it shifts to new businesses, and beyond forty five, it goes to health and wellness. Uh, right. We similarly look at the long term motivations. We see that between 25 to 35, it's buying or upgrading home. So there will be more element of home loan. Uh, okay. Then it shifts to education for children. And then in the third cohort, which is above 45 years, it's medical care. So clearly with age as the, uh, you know, the priorities are changing, uh, the type of loan that one would also want would definitely vary as we go along. Right. Right. Uh, there is a very interesting line in your report. Uh, it's uh, among the factors that influence lender selection and loan application. One of the challenges that you point out is extensive documentation, a complex application process, delayed home loan approval and dispersal and high credits, credit score requirement. Uh, they are cited as major challenges faced by 60% of salaried women when applying for a loan. What exactly is the reason for the stumbling block? And as banks, is there a way that, uh, you know, uh, you'd want to work around this? Because um, uh, more often than not, uh, and, and these are some things which even I have faced, uh, especially, uh, you know, after marriage, a lot of the people, a lot of women do tend to change their names, their surnames, and uh, that may not get documented so well uh, in past records. So, uh, these are issues which uh, delay our process. Then there is also, uh, I mean, a single woman can't take a take a loan. It's difficult for a single unmarried woman to take a loan in her in her own name. She ends up requiring a co-applicant in most of the cases. These are also things that we very often uh, uh, heard from other people, uh, friends and uh, relatives' experiences. Uh, 60% is a huge number. Shouldn't you be working to reduce it when we are a very, very wonderful class of uh, borrowers? No, I, I would tend to agree, actually. And and again, to, to uh, the point is is that uh, you know some of these uh, experiences that uh, uh, customers may have had are still probably rooted in bankers' own earlier experiences, you know, with their own credit portfolios. Um, having said that, I think things are changing. Probably the pace of change needs to be uh, can be faster than uh, mm -hmm. what it is. And to your point, uh, you know, having a single uh, loan applicant, and actually whether a man or a woman, right? It it uh, it it's not easy for a bank to make that decision uh, because Why again. So? If something were to happen, uh, right, to that uh, single applicant, then you don't know where to go to actually. So it's more than credit. Uh, I think it's more that as to what happens if some uh, unfortunate event happens, right? It's more that consideration uh, which drives that decision rather than the uh, worry about credit. Uh, because frankly, whether man or a woman, uh, the default rates on home loans uh, is, is quite low in India per se, right, right. compared to any other right. asset category. That's number one. Number two, credit score, right? I mean, uh, it is it is absolutely uh, important, you know, because that um, you know talks about your intent uh, to pay. And I, again, whether man or a woman, I think it's an important uh, criterion that uh, lenders will uh, uh, continue to focus on. Mm -hmm. uh, but the application process and the time taken to uh, give a decision is something that banks have continuously been uh, uh, working on. Uh, and uh, I think that the decision making. Um, 
now happens typically within uh, a five to seven days, uh, even for a, a home loan. Right. And then the disbursement procedures can sometimes be uh, complicated. Right. Uh, but yes, but there, there's clearly an area where banks can improve both on application process and disbursement process, in my view. And we need to continue to work on that. Right. And and uh, uh, sometimes banks do come up with these Caesar rates where if it's a woman applicant, you get a 25 bips or a, a 50 bips lower rate. But uh, very few women end up, uh, you know, sort of uh, uh, be, being the first applicant because of all the reasons that we mentioned just now. So while there is a teaser rate, it uh, barely uh, serves the purpose or it serves the purpose for a very limited population. That's true. But equally, I mean, and, and not from the, not in the context of the metro cities where we had done the survey. Right. But if you look at affordable housing finance, um, uh, mm. you know, where under the uh, Prime Minister Avas Yojana, there was a certain subsidy in, which was provided earlier for the loan. It was mandatory to have amongst the applicants uh, a woman. And to my mind, that's a good thing. And it didn't matter whether it was primary applicant or co-applicant. And frankly, mm -hmm. because if you have two applicants, the primary and co is just a manner of sp speaking, just a verbiage. It has no real meaning beyond that. Okay. Uh, which clearly meant that women would then own the home asset. Right? And, and for that, then you would get the subsidy or get a discount. These are actually very good initiatives to make sure that uh, the ownership of that asset uh, actually uh, is with the woman. Just to add to what Prashant mentioned, you know, with increasing women participation in the workforce and higher representation in mid and senior management, uh, we would definitely see more primary applicants being women in the coming years. Right. Right. Possibly this question is targeted at you. Uh, another very interesting takeaway for me from the report was that uh, whether it was uh, preferences to loans, preferences to cards, uh, preference to cash over digital spending, etc. Uh, uh, the adoption in Calcutta is very, very low. Why is it really so? Why are they very different from the way average Indian women deal with money? Right. No, that's uh, completely true. You know, across multiple parameters, we see that Calcutta uh, has, you know, data points which are quite different from the rest of the country. And right. we try to dig deeper into what could be the reasons for that. And what it points out to is that much of that could be gender agnostic. If you look at the number of e-transactions per thousand people in uh, West Bengal as of January 2024, we see okay. that the e-transactions are only 132. While the India average is about 430, right? So that's gender agnostic and for the entire state, but we see it's okay. almost uh, one third of where the India average is. So that's one of the reasons, you know, why it could be in general for the state uh, like that. Even if you look at some of the choices, say the political choices being made uh, in, in the state, they are quite different from the rest of the country over the last three decades. So sure. clearly, some of the parameters manifest out quite differently in uh, West Bengal and specifically in Kolkata. Okay. okay. So you're saying don't attach too much to uh, the gender on that factor. Right. Okay. Fair enough. Let's just uh, uh, shift bases to uh, savings. FTs are a very popular product with women. Health is a priority with women versus uh, uh, other uh, products. And possibly, as you mentioned earlier, there is... There is a, a age demography factor as well involved in this. From whatever you, you've surveyed uh, women across spectrum, would it be right to say that women are possibly a little more comfortable to go with tried and tested products 
versus uh, experiment in uh, domains like cryptos or you know very fancy fndo products etc right so the report you know does point out that uh, women are investing in the traditional uh, modes of investment like fixed deposit savings account even gold being a critical uh, source about 16% being parked in gold uh, but as as you know there is more exposure to financial instruments investment instruments as women see more you know there is more time that passes and they see how the returns have panned out across multiple instruments we see that definitely changing but some of the asset classes may still dominate and here gender may play a role we may see gold still being Uh, a critical source of investment in fact uh, as per the world gold council there is about 24000 tons of gold uh, with women in india which is the largest reserve of gold almost about wow. 11% of the gold reserves so that may still stand out uh, you know and be gender specific okay uh, let me take this question now to prashant now that you know that you know these are the preferences that women would like to park their money in you said that you would not want to do a, a women centric fd but uh, when your rm approaches a woman would you want to at least tailor make uh, i mean when when if you have to manage uh, let's say uh, a reasonably uh, uh, networked uh, uh, female would you want to tailor make your products to suit or to align with these things or how would you want i mean would uh, would this wealth management business a little differently if i can put it in very if i can put my question in a very raw sense i think the best way to illustrate uh, this would be to actually give an example of a product that we talk relatively conservative customer who still want to participate in the upside provided by equity markets okay and uh, this is a conversation which can easily be had with a woman you know in 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 this survey a representative woman in this survey mm. you know where we say okay fine uh, we understand that you want your capital to be protected uh, because and that frankly as i said is is true of any conservative investor Uh, beat a uh, beat man or a woman, mm. and you say which is fair enough. Then you invest in a fixed deposit, get a monthly or a quarterly interest, and please invest that interest in a systematic investment plan in an equity fund, for example. Now that will ensure that your deposit, which is your capital, does remain protected, you know, with the bank. Uh, you know, through the interest that you are earning on that deposit, you, you can create your equity uh, investments. and get a taste of equity investments or uh, start participating in the uh, uh, equity upside uh, and and that way you can start tailoring products you know which are conservative in nature but still allow you to participate uh, in the in the upside so some of these conversations then then can be tailored okay. for existing products right because once you understand the preferences uh, of of a particular gender then it becomes easier in terms of conversations to be had fair enough there's also a very interesting sentence in your report which says that pune and bangalore you see a lot of women having interest to participate in cryptos but a concern over lack of knowledge and perceived risk prevail so when you're tailoring products do you also tell them about the risk i mean how how does the risk communication work or uh, is risk gender neutral i think for every investor there is a risk profiling and that depends upon your income level your right. own understanding your own sophistication you know your life stage your needs uh, and your frankly your ability to withstand capital losses mm-hmm. right uh, and that risk profiling you know then really happens with uh, everyone and then then the products you know which get offered or talked about are linked uh, uh, to that right 
and uh, yeah in cryptocurrency participation if you ask me you know the, the knowledge about cryptocurrency and awareness is a different thing knowledge is a different thing correct mm. right and uh, if if you asked uh, if you in my view at least again it's gender agnostic because for a, i don't think a man understands any better uh, the knowledge of cryptocurrency is no better right. it's probably the ability to punt if i if you will and uh, and maybe ability to withstand little bit of capital losses uh, fair enough just to wrap it up uh, one quick minute to both of you prashant and pushan if you were to uh, uh, say that uh, this is your key takeaway from the report what would it be for you uh, prashant and how would it help you bank better with women and the same question to pushan uh what in your opinion is the key takeaway is is the thing that you uh, is the thing that would remain in your heart from the report for a long time for me actually two takeaways one is the fact that uh, all the insights uh, you know which which emerged from the report are to me at least were gender agnostic right wow. and as i said uh, they actually were driven by age income and life stage okay and as the workforce participation in of women uh, uh, gets more and more i think uh, the boundaries will collapse even further that's point number 1 having said that uh, there are some regional uh, differences clearly uh, you know for example in chennai and coimbatore the incidence of cash uh, you know versus uh, upi payments or in west bengal to, to the fact that you pointed it out so that helps as us as bankers to say okay in which case in some of these branches some of these geographies uh we need to focus on maybe digital initiatives uh, more compared to uh, others you know equally uh, in places like mumbai and pune if the stock market participation is higher uh, you know then the capital market products that we offer and the conversations around them need to be more intelligent uh, so it's more about geographic tailoring of conversations and tweaking of products uh, than anything else uh, but in my view uh, i think largely it was still gender agnostic great this is a wonderful takeaway pushan how would you summarize it right for me amzani what i see is that you know the report bus one clear myth that uh, you know it was considered that women don't take financial decisions independently yes. uh, this talks about majority of women take financial decisions independently and a further double click on that what we saw is that in cities where women are taking financial decisions independently their investments in the risk averse instruments like fixed deposits and savings account is higher uh, and what that points out to is that these women need to be made more aware about the other instruments the risks involved as well as the historical returns and that provides an opportunity for them to diversify their uh, investment pool right so that mm. that clearly was a key takeaway for me from the report Thank you so much, uh, Prashant and Pushan, for sharing your insights. It was wonderful connecting with you on this report, and it's a brilliant report by itself. Thank you so much. Thank you, Anshul. Thank you, Anshul.